the Terrible Warriors have teamed up with the Dungeons and Do-Gooders to stream on Twitch every Tuesdays in what we're calling Tabletop Tuesdays. Every week, a new one-shot RPG. Every week, a new special guest at our table. Come join us, twitch.tv slash dndggames, every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Today, on the Terrible Warriors, we meet the Makers. If you've been following me over at the Dungeons & Do-Gooders stream, you'll recall that on our second week, I played Electric Bastion Land by Chris McDowell. Electric Bastion Land is the sequel to Into the Odd, a terrific, weird OSR game. But when Chris released that game back then, it wasn't exactly the presentation he had in his dreams. Which is why he's teamed up with Johan Knorr to create the remastered Into the Odd. Johan Knorr, you might know his art from other games such as Mork Borg, and they've teamed up with Free League to get the game published, and it's coming out in stores any day now. So before that physical release, the Into the Odd Remastered Edition, I sat down with Chris and Johan to find out about how this partnership came together, why this game is so intriguing to them that they would come back to it and give it this polish. And, as I like to do with these Meet the Makers, I also really like to know why these people who make the games we like to play were attracted to these games in the first place. So I asked Chris, why tabletop games? Well, I... Sort of growing up over here, I I got into uh, tabletop games in general at quite a young age because obviously Games Workshop is like a huge thing over here. After sort of being really into like um, Warhammer miniatures and uh, sort of the board game spin-offs from that, I I sort of stumbled onto role playing games through finding Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, um, which I it was first edition at the time, and I, I found it at a convention. It was at a, a miniatures convention, so it wasn't even an RPG convention. There, there was just the one table selling RPGs. And I picked it up not really knowing how RPGs worked. But as soon as I realized you could do anything, you could try anything. And if you had a crazy idea for a game or a crazy idea for, like, as a player, a plan of action, um, you could try and do it. And that's, that's what kind of drew me in. And it then it took me lots of well, decades, arguably, to find a style of game that I really liked. But from that very kind of first taste of um, Warhammer Fantasy roleplay, um, I could I could sort of see the potential um, straight away with that. And what about you, Johan? What uh, what 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 attracted you to tabletop roleplaying, and then uh, also for you for also creating these visuals that you know keeps coming you back to it? What uh, what is it about this genre that uh, that just keeps hooking you back in? I think it's quite similar, like like the way um, what what Chris just said. That you can, they can do anything, and I think for me, tabletop role-playing games have always been a very creative hobby. Like I, I I've always drawn and like doodled while I was playing and made campaign worlds. And I think before I even owned my first role-playing game, I I made my own role-playing game from scratch. It, Probably was really, really bad, but I mean, still, it was like a creative thing. And yeah, I think that like the limit, the, the limitless possibilities of it. 
uh, it was like almost like playing a video game, but you could do all the stuff that your character couldn't do in that. Yeah, no, and and yeah, that 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 feeling of you know just being at the table and being part of these stories, and you know not always knowing where it's going to be and where it's going to go, and yeah, that limitlessness it becomes addictive because you're also creating this thing from scratch every single time. And then you're done at the end and you look back on it and go, well, that's the only way it could have been. Uh, and uh, Chris, tell me about, uh, let's introduce us to Into the Odd. Uh, this is uh, not the first time around to this world. And, you know, I've already uh, played Electric Bastion Land with the Dungeons and Do-Gooders on their stream. But uh, this is uh, both a return to an origin and also, you know, something a new presentation of it. So tell me a bit about how Into the Odd came to manifest itself. So the, the idea with Into the Odd, um, I started writing it around, I think it was it was just over 10 years ago that I started writing it for the first time and blogging about it. Because at the time, I was very interested by a lot of these kind of OSR style games that were based off like basic D&D and like BX D&D. And I, I did enjoy playing those games, but I didn't. I, I never played them first time round. Like I say, I, I I got in with Warhammer Fantasy and didn't touch D and D until third edition. But I I liked this idea of a very simplified version of a game where you could keep the focus on exploration and problem solving and going into dangerous locations and all all the the thrill of that kind of low level. D and D, without perhaps some of the a lot of the baggage, uh, both mechanical and thematic, that that comes with um, sort of making like a D and D clone. So it started out as sort of just something I could use to run like weird dungeon crawls, and from there it just kind of evolved into well, what kind of world would allow me to have all this weird stuff around? And it kind of moved into this weird industrial setting uh, as it exists in Into the Odd. But yeah, making something very simple and very quick was the was the absolute kind of um, driver behind uh, those initial games. And Johan, when did you come into contact with Into the Odd, and what was it like to design this remaster and and bring? Because I mean, Chris, I've seen some of your your actual plays of of, of the games you have, and and your your mind is odd along with your game. And the, some of the designs, there was one where you had these white heads in ice blocks. As soon as they thawed out, they just started chanting and screaming whenever you tried to pick them up. And it's just this, this weirdness that that just seems to leak out of you. Uh, so what was that for Johan as the graphic designer? What was this like to take Chris's mind that has so often lived in that theater of the mind that can evoke these strange places to, to uh, help design this remaster? I mean, I've always been a fan of Into the Odd and Chris's work since I first heard of it. And for a th- I think I first encountered it when I sort of got to know the other um, Stockholm Cartel people, you know, the the studio, if you want to call it, or the group of, of idiots and creators that I belong to. And they sort of introduced me to a lot of OSR games and Into the Odd was one of them. And... I think like the extreme simplicity and the minimalism of the of the system was the thing that um, that, that 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 you know 
stood out to me most and that inspired me most and for the longest time it was one of my like standard games when i would run run at like conventions and i didn't know what to play i was just like oh just run you know the iron corral or something from into the odd so um it's always been there as like a reference point and a game to which i come back to a lot so when uh i can't remember if if it was you chris or if it was freely who reached out to me but when i was i was asked to do this uh i immediately said yes and i felt yeah it was like a, you know, it was a big uh like honor almost to do it i think it was definitely me that um that reached out to you because i remember thinking um that it was there was like a one percent chance you would say yes because this was just after mortborg had sort of exploded and, yeah, it was. and like we had spoken before because we'd done we'd done like a podcast together for for my podcast but um but yeah, I remember thinking this is this is a long shot, and um, I was extremely pleasantly surprised when you <laughs> when you said that you could find a way to make it work. Yeah, exactly, because I was very busy, I think, and I just said, "No, I'll make it work. I'll just I'll just make room for it because I don't want to miss this." Um, and I'm I'm very happy to have done that because um, it was a very different book to make from you know Mark Bory that I was doing at the time, and that I was maybe known for that kind of style. So it was fun to sort of show like try something else and show. But I think show people that I can do other stuff too, like not just these blood splattered punk things. Yeah, because like I, I've I've got the visual in front of me, but of course this is uh, unfortunately an audio medium that we're participating in today. So for anyone who's seen Morkborg and has seen like yeah, it's 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 this like death metal, screaming loud, lots of contrast, lots of really in your face design, and into the odd is is much more um i mean i don't want to say neutral because it's not any of that but it's it is more subtle in um and and you know more saturated and and is playing with a, a lot more blending of 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 themes that are, are are layering and it's 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 still quite evocative but it's not um it's not the sensory overload that that Morkborg was, but also in 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 an interesting way, I can see that it's the same. It's still you. I can still see that it's it's Johan's work. Um, yeah. Was was that more, was that the intention it, with Into the Odd was to play more in that subtle side that Morkborg is just not known for? I think it was one of the first things that we uh, agreed on. Like this, this cannot look like Morkborg. Yeah. <laughs> like, <it's just> quite <laughs> important. Uh, no, it has more of a or, the the uh, the Vonich manuscripts and more of that Da Vinci. Right. There's a lot more of this this sketching and design work. Yes. And it does look like you're going through some some mad inventor's journal as you're flipping through. It was supposed to look sort of like a like a document in the game world, like mm-hmm. uh, like an explorer or someone who is entering the, the you know going into the odd, uh, their notes and their journals or something. Yeah, it's so, Birth of Venus, but with way more corals and bones and a few explorers thrown into it. Yeah, so that's it's it was important also to make a book that was very uh, readable and easy to reference and easy to use because i think that's one of the hallmarks as well of of the original into the odd that especially like the 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 dungeon was very easy to run because of how it was formatted yeah and and we're saying it's it's an osr game and uh most osr games are known for their tables and their their random generation and you know into the odd is is no exception to that there are there are some wonderful tables and pages that you go through um chris we were just mentioning about how this has become and osr games as a whole have become this sort of staple especially in convention settings and one-shot settings where you know if preparation is uh limited uh, and if you 
Um, you might not even know who you're playing with ahead of time. You just need to throw something together real quickly. OSR games are a really good one to tap into. What is it? I mean, OSR for our dear listeners, old school renaissance, correct? And it does have that 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 revival feel uh, with with a lot of these games, especially I, I feel like in maybe in like the last five ten years now. Um, what is it about OSR that like both of you seem to be um, very attracted to? Not just as a tabletop as a on a, on a big scale, but OSR on a, on a more focused scale. What is it about this particular philosophy that um, that is so intriguing for you, Chris? I think it. I think part of the thing for me is that it's not even so much any one thing about that I can point to as like an OSR philosophy and say, yes, this is the thing that I really like. But what what I sort of just realized was a lot of games that were coming out of sort of OSR and a lot of the blog posts, especially, and just just people's general ways of running the game that were coming out of OSR um, really kind of appealed to me even even before I'd even played like old versions of D&D. Like I said, that, that's not really my history. And I think that the thing that the thing that got me is they kind of deliver on what I felt was always the initial promise of D&D when I would hear about it, which was like, you're going to go into a dungeon and you're going to explore it and there's going to be terrifying things in there and and you can do anything and you've got to be clever to kind of navigate it. Yeah, a lot and, of uh, uh, some of, uh, other OSR games tend to be like, you know, your, your life is cheap. <laughs> It'll be short. Uh, hopefully you'll get some treasure. And if you don't, you get a good story out of it. But it, it tends yeah. to be, you know, fast and deadly, high risks, high reward. And and really playing in that first, like in terms of Dungeons and Dragons, it was like those first five levels where you're just scared <laughs> for a while yeah. before you actually get any levels where you can start doing anything impressive. And like the fear is fun, but I think for me, it's it's the fact that it feels like your deci- decisions really matter because there are consequences. There are consequences for failure, and there's consequences for success. You have to learn when to run away, which is something that modern Dungeons and Dragons uh, doesn't really lean itself into. You can rally your group and just push through most challenges. With the idea of actually retreating <laughs> to fight another day, it tends to be quite alien. Yeah, I think a lot of people have these stories about when, you know, people have these stories about the time that they were surprised by an attack and that they had like a total party kill. And But people also have these stories about when they sort of snuck down into a part of the dungeon they weren't meant to be in yet. And they found some some really roundabout way of sort of stealing some treasure and getting out. And that that's the thing that appeals to me because it's, it's, it's like the things that you, like we said earlier, it's like the things that you can't do in a video game. Like... In most kind of games, like if you're playing, you know, Zelda on the NES at the time, you're boxed in by what is coded into the game. You know, you can play Skyrim, but you can't climb a tree in Skyrim and hide in it as the wolves. Like there's, there's just enough limitations. Like even if the rails are invisible, they're still there in just the mechanics that were written into into the video game. Whereas, yeah, when you're when you're sitting there at the table, you can outthink the GM at times and catch them off yeah. guard. And that's just not possible in, in board games or, um, or video games and other medium in, in that being able to actually outthink the game and, uh, and rewrite the, the, the rules almost on the fly. Yeah. And that can make it very difficult for the GM. Like that, that can make the game quite difficult in many ways for the GM, but that's why I wanted to make the game so simple in terms of its mechanics, because then, 
when you're GM in this game, you should be thinking about how to adjudicate those situations and mm-hmm. things like that, ra- rather than thinking about some calculation that you have to make to work out how much XP they get or, or something like that. Um, it sort of lets you kind of refocus your attention, I find. Yeah, I think I think especially with oh sorry, I think especially like with these, as you said, with these super minimalist games that doesn't have a lot of rules covering everything. Like you you are encouraged to outsmart the game in a way. Like all these challenges, you're not supposed to like there's not one set way to overcome them, but you have to be very clever and work together. Yeah. You're not expected to just be a consumer at the table and just eat what's being served. You're 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 part of that process as well, and we're all cooking uh, in 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 one way or another in a different. I think it's the creator of Monster Hearts describes the story as feral. It's not up to the person running the game or the people playing in the game. It sits in the middle of the table, just a little wild, <laughs> and, and and we're all in our own way taming it. Right. Yeah. The the uh, OSR in particular, but in Into the Odd, um, Chris, when someone picks up this game, let's face it, they're probably also going to be the one running the game and uh, and picking that up. And maybe they know OSR, maybe they don't. Maybe they know OSR and it doesn't matter because Into the Odd is, is, is not exactly a dungeon crawl, as we've just been describing. Where does mm. Into the Odd... Um, forge its own path what 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 should you expect if you if you're getting this book and you're running this especially if you're running something like this for the first time what would your um what would your advice or guidance or just hey heads up be (laughs) to the person picking this off of their shelves so i think um like i say if, if you if you go into this game expecting expecting the rules to create everything for you. So I'm thinking about something like, say, 4th edition D&D, where the players are going to come into the game and they're going to be quite... When, when I've sat down to look at like a character sheet for that kind of game, they're going to be focused on a lot of like numbers and what they can do in combat. Um, well, in this game, combat is kind of... It's, it's not sort of discouraged as such. Like, you, there are ways to... There are ways to set up a combat that's in your favor, but it's not a game about fighting. So combat is very quick. Um, there's no rolling to hit. Um, you just cause damage. Every attack causes damage, essentially. And it's whether or not that damage actually is damage that you can quickly recover, which is your HP, or whether it's going to be lasting damage, which is threatening your life, which is what happens when you run out of HP and you start losing strength instead. Um, so that that's the one thing that always surprises people in terms of the mechanics, is how sort of fast the combat is. And they think that means that it's going to be like super deadly and super random. But once you once you sort of accept that, it actually means the players are a bit more informed because combat is a little bit more predictable in many ways because you know that your every attack is going to cause damage. You can make a little bit more of an informed choice. It's not quite like you're just hoping that the monster isn't going to hit you yeah you know how brutal it's going to be before because it's not really like because you're not rolling to see if you succeed at the combat you're just directly going to the damage part um you can predict to a point of like okay well uh this is either going to really hurt or it will hurt but it won't i can i can last a little bit longer here you can run just enough of the odds (laughs) in your head um yeah. in advance uh to know whether or not you're you're willing it, it does feel a lot less like a random number generator fight which some other other systems do feel where 
you get a wild roll one way or the other and it can really change the course of battle. Uh, those those extreme rolls don't seem to happen as much in uh, in a game like Into the Odd. Yeah, you end up with a little bit more of a kind of like an escalation where if you've if you've got sort of six HP, let's say you rolled really well and you got six HP in, as your starting character, um, you kind of know that for round one you're probably going to be okay against someone with a sword. But then it's so, so you can kind of plan around that, and and it works both ways. It means that you're not going to whiff a load of attacks against this horrible creature. So if you decide to all go for it and team up on this creature, you can probably you can probably like smash it to bits um, as long as you've got an appropriate plan. Now the um, if anyone had watched our our live stream of Electric Bastion, I'm so sorry. Uh, it was uh, it was very difficult uh, for us. It was my first time running it, and um, and there were a few other there were some technical issues. The computer kept disconnecting from the live stream. It was it was it was uh, it was tough, Chris. Uh, but one thing I noticed is my preparation. I I focused on some of the wrong things. I focused too much on. Uh, creating uh in, in this case because electric Bastion, different game from into the odd but i was i spent a little bit of time creating the map spent a lot more time creating the map not as much time focusing on what we might be encountering and uh and and y- you have the warnings all through about like don't forget about the treasure even i forget about the treasure don't forget about the treasure and there i was forgetting yeah. about the treasure um what are just to, to to learn from my mistakes to learn from your mistakes i see your blog is is it's such a laboratory of ideas all the time of just finding inspiration in different places and different games and 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 reworking your own ideas over and over and over and over again what are some of the lessons you have learned that you would pass on uh, for someone running into the odd of like that the, the <laughs> do as i say not as i do bit of advice of of those pitfalls like perhaps what i fell into where i i over prepared on this big world that i was doing a one shot we were never going to go to a big world we were going to go to one place for two hours and uh and i and i and i wasn't um wasn't focused on my preparation what what are some of those pitfalls that 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 a that a new gm could could avoid and learn from so that they might have a, a softer landing in running their first game versus how mine went. Well, I think, I think you're right. that encounters are kind of, especially if you're running a one shot, um, just coming up with a few encounters um, to have on your encounter table will go a long way to having a good session. Um, and, and I'm the same. I, I, I'm the same when it comes to over preparing one thing um, to the detriment of another thing um so that one of the things that i've learned recently is that it's okay to it's okay to make small tables which i know is like heresy in some schools of the osr it's all about like d100 tables or at the very least d20 tables um and i and i used to be all about that like having big encounter tables for different areas but sometimes it's better to just make like between three and six really good encounters for your dungeon to put on your wandering encounter table because you can put them on multiple times as well have have them doing different things like if you're all a one you encounter them and they're eating something if you're all a two you encounter them and they're they're running away from something and um it, yeah sometimes it's better to make a few really good things just to get things started than to try and create this giant infinite um, sandbox that is that is always the temptation, but um, especially for a one shot is is sometimes a bit of a a, a bit of a um, bit of a pipe dream, let's say. Yeah, you end up creating you end up creating all of Middle Earth, and you never actually leave Bag End, and and 
<laughs> it doesn't matter yeah, if I've it's, got... It's fun to do. But... Uh, yeah, it, it was <laughs> a lot help. of fun for me to do and figure out how all these different sections of these areas all interact with each other and the history that they shared. And I was like, oh, but we're actually never going to leave the train yard. And the whole <laughs> the whole night is going to be here in this one place. And I don't know anything about this place. I just know about all their neighbors. And um, and as fun as that was, you know, you, then you find like, I've got all this stuff, all this paper in front of me and, and nothing is actually relevant to <laughs> what we're doing tonight. Um, Johan, uh, with with working on designing the remaster of Into the Odd, so this is you know an, an interesting project because it's a game that already existed in an earlier form, and uh, and 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 you got a chance to, to to come into this. What were some of the aspects of Into the Odd that you really wanted to um, highlight uh, in this in this uh, this new package of, of of the game that's coming out? I think the the whole aspect of like you are from uh, the city of Bastion and you are like you, you you maybe you consider yourself to be civilized or like maybe even academic people and you venture into this strange land and into these strange um, dungeons and worlds and I think that that sort of um, contrast was something that I try to capture in like typography and art where uh, like the the typefaces and the grid of the layout was. So that was like Bastion in a way, the way that looked and the vibe that that was. But then the art would represent the odd and the strange. Um, so like that, the sort of clash that happened between those two, uh, like themes in a way. And but also like the to make this super tiny booklet that was the original into the odd and make a, a, a big hardback uh, book out of it. Uh, and not feel bound to, to 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 like try to recreate the first edition because I think I think there's there there has to be there has to be the possibility of like owning both and like I think I I, I don't think necessarily that this new edition should like replace com- completely the old one maybe Chris disagrees but uh, I think there's room for both of them in various ways like this is more of like something you um, I mean. Maybe something that you can sit uh, on your couch and read uh, for an afternoon, but the small, the original one is something uh, more, uh, yeah, it's like um, something you put in your back pocket to go to con and play, even though you can probably do that with this as well. But uh, it's like, a, I don't know, it's a different kind of, different kind of product in a way. We, we did want to try and capture the sort of that feel of the original being because because when i did electric bastion and that was my kind of my big not quite a vanity project but it's not far off my, my big kind of making a, a giant coffee table 300 page hardback you know large format um book with with full of full of brand new art for for the world to just explode and that i i knew that i wanted that to be a big book but with this one i i still I, I did still want this to feel like something you could like throw it throw in the bag, like like mm-hmm. Jan said. Um, and it, because the, the for, for those who aren't familiar with the the sort of the history of this one, uh, th- this is a remaster rather than a new edition. So so you know it, it is a new edition, but it's but it's 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 I wanted to keep as much of the core of the original and sort of what people liked about the original. Um, mm-hmm as it's possible like and just able to accomplish something with this remaster that wasn't really feasible your first time around the block 
Yeah, exactly. It's it's it, it is sort of wanting to make the one that that would have been impossible to make at the time when we made Into the Odd um, with Lost Pages, who published um, the original. Um, sort of like the, the the way that I would have dreamt for it to be if I could have sort of made it any way that I wanted. Uh, that that was kind of the idea. And yeah, like like Johan said, it's for, for the extra stuff I wanted to. I decided to sort of expand um, bits of it, like the the sample adventure. Mm-hmm. And just some extra additional materials rather than rather than try and change anything at its core yeah and also like visually i didn't want it to be just another version of the original one i wanted it to have its own identity and its own uh you know aesthetic but there are there are some like references and some callbacks in it to the to the first one uh, in some of the art but um yeah that was important like this is an, this this is its own thing in a way and Chris, talking about like bringing that idea of what was in your dream and and bringing it into the page, what was something here? Because it's it's I love by the way that both of you were fans of each other, thinking, well, the other is just never going to work with me if I never reach out. Like that's a one in a million shot. And then you both contact each other, and you're like, oh my goodness, yes! And that's just that's beautiful. Uh, so Chris, being able to work with Johan and and working to to realize this 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 realized version of Into the Odd, um, what was something that Johan really um, captured that, 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 that when you saw it, you went, oh, yes, that's it, that's that, you got it. What was something in particular that, that when we get the book uh, that we can, we can flip to and, and, and see what you saw? I think like, like we've already kind of touched on briefly, um, one of the ideas that we really banded around was this idea that I, I really love going to like secondhand bookshops and just trying to find something weird, like, like an old, like science book, or if I don't understand what the book is, that that's the most exciting thing to me. If it's just got lots of diagrams and stuff in it, and I don't know why, but I find that that really kind of fascinating of like, Oh, I, I don't know what this is. And it, that's exciting to me. And um, we wanted to have some of that feeling. So there is a lot of these kind of strange imagery and weird diagrams, but but we also did want to balance that with making it be very kind of readable. And I think what, what Johan mentioned about um, almost like the text, the text is like the normal world and the graphics are the, the odd, the weird sort of incursions into this kind of what, what would, what would be a kind of normalish industrial world. Um, the art is the kind of weird incursions going into it. And I think, and I think when we kind of, when I started to see that kind of duality, come in that was kind of one of the things that sort of really really made me feel like we had like a really special kind of thing there and i and i did notice that um like johan your work with like we've mentioned morkborg and and like the art and the text are are inseparable they're they're very much right on top of each other they cross both pages it's yeah. lots of splash it feels very much like a zine or a zine <laughs> i always mispronounce those but like it has this very uh, uh glued together feel of it of all these different pages all coming from like these different places all all stapled in one on top of each other whereas into the odd does have this you get a page of text paired with a page of art side by side and um and and they complement each other but they are um they, there is a separation of 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 text and art uh and and there's there's pages where that's an that's an exception like everywhere else but uh but that does seem to be this throughout it as i'm as i'm flipping through these pages there is you have a you know this this rolling a character on one page and then the image 
with Bastion and 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 this other stuff on the uh, beside it. And uh, yeah, and that uh, it's it's really it's really interesting, and it does make it feel more controlled in 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 a way, or more. Um, uh, yeah, no, because I mean, Bastion is not a chaotic realm in its. I mean, there is chaos to it, but it's also there's order, there's society, there's. I think at least they they believe it to be. Yeah, so that's that, that's that, the that's delusional the here. Yeah. <laughs> like like a scientific uh, journal, almost like a scientific book uh, that tries to understand and make sense of this odd world. So that's that's all these diagrams and and that kind of stuff. Uh, where they, they try to map an unmappable world. You know? yeah, and if you kind of already answered it, but just to mirror my question that I asked to Chris, with uh, you also being a, a fan on the other side of Into the Odd and, and getting a chance to work on this, what was one part of Into the Odd that you just really wanted to, um, like you mentioned, you wanted to highlight Bastion as well, but was there, was there a part of the, of the, of the game that um, it just also really captured uh, your your uh, your attention, your imagination that through the design work you wanted to um, make sure was uh, I don't know was just brought forward uh, in, in a way that might have um, you know just been lost in the pages in the original without uh, without this remaster polish put to it. Oh, <laughs> tough question. I mean, maybe this answers a different question, but. I think the well, way by all means, that... answer the question you wish I'd asked. That that's always a better way to go. <laughs> no, but I think uh, I I I mentioned it just a, a bit before. But the way that the adventure is formatted, that which was from the original version of Into the Odd, with all the you know extremely short, just one bullet point for each um, each like important thing feature in the room, um, and all these like the different directions that you could walking to was also one um one bullet point extremely easy to run at the table and and it was also also a concept that i just took uh, for Merkborg and just uh, yeah I just saw it in into the other i was like yeah, i have to do exactly like this and i think that thing was something that i wanted to uh, uh like work with here and like it really i don't know emphasize i guess this word and I do to, see that. Um, and uh, thank you for sending me a copy, Chris. Seeing the book, it does look like um, like your art and the design. It does it gets out of the way when it needs to to allow for the into the odd, like the tables, the rules, and the text to 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 be front and center. And and the the the, the art and the design is there, but it 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 does make room for for into the odd. Yeah. And uh, and and make space for it, and, and I do see that the intentional uh, 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 thought put put through that, and uh, it's it's also really really easy on the eyes. I just got to say, it looks fantastic, and I can't wait to have the physical book because um, this is just a case of it's both with with uh, Free League and the way they publish their books and the quality, but also with your design, Johan, like. Um, a game like Morkborg and a game like Into the Odds Remaster, and, you know, these are the ones that go on the bookshelf that when people come to visit, their eyes as they scan and go, what's that one? And they just pull it down. And you don't even have to tell them, you don't have to pitch it to them, you don't have to say anything. That's just the first one that comes off the page. And uh, so, uh, I mean, kudos to you've, 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 you've found a way to just become an like your design is it magnetizes the eyes right to 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 what you've got at, right you. from the spine of the book uh, and before you even open the page and uh that's uh that's really really cool thanks 
that's the that's the idea to lure lure people in to actually to to, to read a book and then go oh hang on this is like this is also good yeah <laughs> no Chris you found pretty. the perfect it's angler fish I gotta say you've lured <laughs> us into the deep with, with the glowing lights and then you just swallow us with the story well that's the um I I kind of joke saying that we didn't want it to look like an RPG and I think that there's a, there is some truth to that like even I, I remember with the very first the first cover for the original Into the Yard I thought I don't want this to look like an RPG that someone's made in their spare room, which is which is what I had done. Um, I, I should say I didn't do the graphics. Sorry, as I I, we, I got someone to do the, the cover for that. Um, but it, but in those discussions, it was um, I, I've I've always liked covers that look that, that that you could almost trick someone who doesn't know what RPGs are into picking them up. And I don't know how likely that ever is. I don't think it's going to be appearing on any supermarket shelves just yet. But um, but yeah, I do like the idea that someone could maybe maybe someone will buy this and not enjoy it and give it to a secondhand shop, and then someone will pick it up and be very confused. And that's that's <laughs> like the end goal for me. That's the dream. Pick it up, feel confused. Just yeah. That, so that, if, that's if you don't you like put, this, that's the slug line you put at the back of, of the book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chris, uh, let me know about uh, any of the uh, dates we need to be aware of. The Kickstarter's already done and out. I assume it's now being sent out to the backers. They're going to be getting their copies soon. But what should we be aware of now as as this starts to make its way out into the world at large? Uh, what should uh, when when can we have our versions of the remastered into the odd? Yes, so we we did a Kickstarter at the end of last year, and distribution is happening now. I've seen I've seen copies have started to land with backers, sort of in the last in the last week, really. Um, and when that is all finished up, it will be going up for general sale uh, through Free League, um, and then it will sort of start to appear in other places. But um, but yeah, watching watching Free League over the next sort of uh, month or so is probably the best place to uh, to keep an eye on that. I guess final thoughts as we as we part our ways uh, into our own. Um, Chris, when uh, someone is heading into the odd, what um, what would you say to, for them, both players and GM alike, to prepare themselves for? What should they expect in their first expedition for strange curiosities? Uh, what is uh, what is that uh, that pitch that you say to the table just as they're getting ready? So for the players, I would. I mean, this 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 advice kind of goes both ways. So I'm going to lump this as advice for both players and GM. Um, so everybody needs to know that the players' decisions are going to matter. So the GM has a responsibility to be honest and tell the players honestly what they what they what their characters can see, and perhaps give them more information than they might think. And then the players' choices are going to be the things that they live or die by. Um, and it, it, it feels much better to die by your own stupid decision than um, than the, the result of a die roll. For sure. Yeah, something goes wrong and you go, yeah, no, I deserve that. <laughs> and you just yeah, nod. I shouldn't have eaten that weird thing I found. You just, yeah. you just nod, write up a new character, <laughs> get back into it. Um, and, uh, Johan, Chris, uh, beyond into the odd, uh, is there any other plugs or places that you would like us to follow if we want to stay up to date on your work, on your comings and goings, uh, any, any, any particular places you'd like us to keep our eye on into the future, uh, so that we can, uh, see what, what, uh, what other projects you're going to be involved in? Yeah, so everything I do is, um, in some shape or form at bastionland.com. There's links to the 
the streams that I do, podcasts and uh, various things. And of course, you can buy Electric Bastion Land. If you, if you do like Into the Odd, that's the natural um, sort of next step. Um, but you can find me on Twitter, <clears throat> at Johan Noor. And I mean, you should keep an eye on what Stockholm Cartel is up to. We have more, more stuff coming. And if you want to see something else that I've done, then you should check out Merkborg. It's, it's a different, but also fun. It's different. It's fun. You want to put Johan's books on your bookshelf. Just cover them. You'll just you'll look better. You'll look more professional. You'll look more interesting. Uh, you'll have friends that are not even into games, but are just into design work, and they'll just recognize it and they'll go, "Oh yeah, no, no, you got good taste." So just just friendly tip from your from your friendly neighborhood GM. Just buy anything that <laughs> Johan has worked on. Put them on your shelf. And if you want to run interesting games, you want to have something in a back pocket, like I say, a GM cancels on you, and you don't have anything else to go, or that important player isn't making it up, so you got to put your game on hold. Pick up everything that Chris McDowell has done. Have that in your back pocket as your as your emergency go to game. Break glass in case of game. Uh, those are uh, really you know good places to be. And also, uh, Chris, I got to say your your blog is full of so many just good ideas and good thoughts that happen in terms of the intention of of what we're putting into our games, like over preparing with tables. Something as simple as that that you just you take for granted and you don't examine and you don't close in on. So. Uh, but I, 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 the links are all in the show notes. Uh, go check them out, follow them, and, and follow that Bastion Land blog because um, even just for me, running as often as I do, uh, you, know, you come across these ideas. You go, oh, dang it, that's just such a good one. And then, and then that's it. It's in your back pocket, and, and, you, and you've got it there in your another tool in your tool belt going forward. Uh, Chris, Johan, thank you so much for, for the time you spent to me. I feel like now we have met each other, and we, we, we are now known. This is wonderful. Uh, I wish you all the success with Into the Odds uh, uh, remastered physical release. Um, I'm very excited to see this head out into the wild and and add just a little bit more weirdness to to tables everywhere. And um, yeah, just uh, congratulations again on everything. Thank you for joining me. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Special thanks again to Chris and Johan for joining us for Meet the Makers. You can find out more about how you can follow what they are up to by checking the show notes. All the links are in there. And of course, the Terrible Warriors are around again with our Cult Divinity Lost campaign. We will be returning to that campaign shortly. You can find out what we are up to by following us on Twitter at Dice Warriors. And of course, this show is made possible by support from our listeners. To find out how you can support the Terrible Warriors, visit patreon.com slash terriblewarriors. And every Tuesday night, I have partnered up with the Dungeons & Do-Gooders stream to present Tabletop Tuesdays, a new one-shot RPG every week, live at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Why don't you come over, check out their channel, and I'll see you Tuesday nights. Our theme music is by Epic Game Music. Editing is by me, Justin Eacock. And until we meet again at this table, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting independent games. Thank you for being a terrible warrior. Be good to each other. <laughs>